You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. What's up, gang? Alan Seiler. Hi. And Veronica Daschle. Hi. Sorry, I couldn't think of anything else to say. I was <laughs> in the moment. Clever. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm an improvational wizard. I thought you were doing it to mock me. <laughs> oh, I would never do that. For those of a certain age, y'all both, when you said hi, reminded me of the old dating game show. Well, sometimes they would introduce the guy, they would just go, hi. <laughs> yeah, and that dates me. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to hold uh, the news for just a minute. We're going to do a whole segment on news. We've got a, a lot going on this week, but uh, we have some news for our podcast. We're going to be part of a podcast festival called the Captain Picard Week Podcast Festival, which is awesome. uh, being put together and organized by the podcast Strange New Pod. And it's a whole collective of podcasters who are coming together February 24th to March 2nd. Um, there's a whole list of podcasts here, and I wanted to go through just real quick. You've got Discovery Pod, uh, the Duras Sisters Podcast, Disco Tech Podcast, Antimatter Pod, Divine Treasury, Trek Untold, Le Quadrant Pop, um, Starfleet Leadership Academy, Earth Station Trek, Trek Central, Green Shirt Podcast, The Star Dispatch, Strange New Pod, and uh, Promenade Merchants Podcast. So. Wow. There's a podcast called the Dora Sisters. It is, and they are sisters. I, I was love listening it. To them today, it's uh, that's awesome. So if you if you like Star Trek podcasts, uh, these are some great. It's a great lineup of podcasts, and um, you know maybe you'll find a, a new second favorite podcast <laughs> after us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll be posting more about that on our Facebook group and on Twitter. And if you go on Twitter, uh, it's posted there now. But also, if you search for the hashtag Picard Week um, or Captain Picard Week information will be coming out as the schedules are finalized and, and all that. And I, I believe that we're going to be talking about uh, Captain Picard's legacy in film Yes, is the plan. So stay tuned for that. Uh, it's, it's exciting and it's going to be a fun thing for us to be a part of. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yay. All right, Keith, did you have some this week in Trek this week? Boy, I sure did. I ever, I had to, uh, I had to window this one down because there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. So I'm just going to do a couple because we got a, a busy show first one I just had to get in um, back to my love for people being born a long time ago. This person was born on January 30th, 1918. Wow. And an interesting fact, I want to see if you guys know this. This was Roddenberry's, one of Roddenberry's early choices for Dr. Voice in the original pilot of the original series. Okay. Last time we talked about this, Malachi Throne was one of his choices. Mm -hmm. It's not Malachi Throne again, is it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any ideas? Oof. No. Okay. I'll do this one quick. This is there, there's no there's no quotes that don't give this way really quickly. My first impression was correct. You are a barbarian. Somebody who played a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One more talking to get, Kirk. You'll you'll get this one. We're a killer species. We've admitted it to your, ourselves. Your general order 24. Oh, is this um, a non-seven? 
That's it. David, I, this last name is Opatovsky. Okay. Anon Seven in The Taste of Armageddon was born on this on January 30th, 1918. Wow. And was actually one of Gene Roddenberry's actual picks for Dr. Boyce. I think he was much better used in the episode he appeared in. I love him in that episode. Yeah, yeah. That, the Taste of Armageddon is a great episode. Absolutely fantastic. Moving on real quickly. Um, uh, January 31st, 1929. I brought down bigger men than you, Picard. I know what it is. Okay. Does anybody else know? No, I I know I should, but. Gene Simmons. Uh Uh-huh. That's it. Oh, that's right. (laughs) From Kiss. I forgot. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's right. I love it. Admiral Nora Satie in the uh, TNG episode, The Drumhead, one of my Mm. favorite ones that talks about paranoia and how one little thing can get out of control. And the next thing you know, you see enemies everywhere and you see things jumping out of the shadows. Excellent episode of Next Generation. Another one that I want to. Okay, guys. I ain't going to do any kind of interpretation or or performance art because I don't know how to do it without, well, let's just say, I don't know how to do it. 1994, January 31st, Sub first premiered Next Generation. And yeah. I don't know how to do that. I ain't gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to do the one scene. I'm not going to moan and do all, or ride or do anything like that. That's probably wise. <laughs> yeah. Literally one of the most, well, what should we say? Is it now camp? Is it? So is it is it considered camp or is it actually hated? I, no, people? I think for a long time, people didn't like Sub Rosa. And I think Sub Rosa is having a little bit of a resurgence. I think people are coming back around to it. I know. I, well, I know I didn't like it when I was what 13, when that movie, came, when that episode came out. But yeah. um, when we, 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 we rewatched it for our uh, live stream talking about Halloween episodes. Okay. And I enjoyed it a lot more than I had before. It's very atmospheric. Um, I guess the romance novel aspect of it didn't bother me as much this time around. I'll say that. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. it's having a resurgence because I said on our show one time that I like it. Yeah, that's it. People are like, oh, my God, that, mean, that means we've got to reevaluate. You're a trendsetter. <laughs> so you like that one, Alan? <laughs> yeah, I, I always have. Oh, okay. It, it's, it, it, gives, it brings chuckles. A couple more, guys. I'm really trying to run through this one. Uh, February 1st, 1934. This is somebody talking to this person. I'm not kidding, Lee. You fire that up, you'll blow the whole assembly. The points are eroded at living. So are we supposed to be guessing the character who's talking or the character he's talking to? The character he's talking to, because I right. couldn't think of Oh. Again, I'm not kidding, Lee. You'll blow the entire I know what pile. it is, but I'm holding back deliberately. Okay. Okay, Anybody? okay, let me do let me do another know. one. The person talking about the person I'm talking about said. <laughs> no. <laughs> said, he said, he's a fool. He's a fool. He could see the points and didn't, re- he saw the points and didn't recognize what he saw. Where did you see it? I saw it in his mind. I like how you can't think of a single Kelso quote, but you can think of quotes about Kelso. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything that would, that would give it away, but that's who it is. It is Paul Carr, born on February 1st, 1934, and Charles ought to have really significant meaning to you yeah yeah lieutenant lee kelso that's right and yeah my um sort of online screen name and then my pen name stage name for all my creative works has been charles kelso for the last 20 years um and it's after lee kelso yeah (laughs) who was of course played in uh, where no man has gone before 
And he was the guy, for those who don't remember, he was the guy, spoilers, in case anybody somehow never seen it. He was the guy who was really cool. Kirk, I love the scene where Kirk literally tells him, and I guess that's Starfleet. Kirk's like, if you're alone and you think there's no other chance, I want you to hit that button and basically blow up the entire thing. And he kind of didn't ask him, hey, do you mind committing suicide? And Gary Mitchell strangles him with a, with a cable from uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he was in production order the first starfleet officer to die on screen in the history oh, of star trek i didn't know that and because in those days the operations and like security and engineering yeah. officers wore beige instead of red so uh-huh. he was in beige but i mean you could argue he, that kelso was the first red shirt i love right. it cool that'd be great for trivia okay just a couple more well, not anymore here. <laughs> 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 well true <laughs> Just a couple more out here. Also on February 1st, 1940, and I had to mention this one. And this comes from a movie, Can I Cook or Can I Cook? Oh, well, that's uh, Baby Newworth, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that her name? Nope. No, what's her name? Baby That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I knew Newworth wasn't right. That's She was yes. in an episode, but not that movie. Right. She was in uh, First Contact. Yep. Yeah. Episode, yes. Um, yeah, Carol the Marcus episode, not from, the movie. <laughs> right. Carol Marcus from Arathicon and the connection yep. to the show we just talked about where No Man Has Gone Before, so many fans assume that the, the nurse mentioned and where No Man Has Gone Before that Gary Mitchell said he set Kirk up with and Kirk said, I almost married her. Most people assume that was Carol Marcus because she ended up having Kirk's child. Um, one of the things I found very interesting, because I always wanted this, is B.B., was so upset that her character was not brought back for the search for Spock. She was distraught and was crying over it. Mm-hmm. And she went to, first she was upset and she thought that her performance was bad in the Khan and they didn't want her back. Later, Hard Bennett evidently told her that it just didn't work. And evidently she saw the movie, The Search for Spock, and wrote Hard Bennett a letter saying, I understand why my character wasn't included in the, sh- in the movie, it works. Mm-hmm. I think her character should have been brought back. I've always missed the scenes between her and Kirk or the fact that their son was killed. Yeah. But, you know, I've just always wondered. I've never heard anything. I don't even think the novelization did anything where they mm. talked again, right? Because I read the novelization. Yeah, I don't remember. But I, I would have liked to have seen her in some way back in Star Trek. But I don't know what she would be doing in the search for Spock. Maybe she'll show up in Lower Decks. <laughs> Yeah, well, the actress died, but they'd have to bring her character back. Um, right. She, she did ask Hart Bennett if he could find a way to bring her back into any future track, and it never happened because she really wanted to go back in the track. Uh, two more, February 2nd, 1959. Let's just say it, Brent Spiner was born. Hey. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to do impersonations. <laughs> As they said, enough said. I don't know about anybody else, but I first remember discovered Brent Spiner on Night Court playing that really goofy character that would show up every now and then kind of doing a quote unquote country corn pone accent. Right. Uh, I loved him on there. The next thing I know he showed up on TNG playing a really serious Android. <laughs> and um, let's see, I want to do a couple of more. Oh, here's a good one. Cause I'm skipping a couple. Also February 3rd, 1925. I'll see if I can do the voice. <clears throat> Fairy tales, ghosts and goblins. I know a little something about the law, Captain, and you're engaging in sheer speculation. That from DS9? No. No. Give. I know that quote, but I can't place it. <laughs> this yeah, one too. This one I'm sick, give it all a kill. <laughs> and now the voice changes. Kill you oh, all. Oh, die, it's die. Piglet. It's um That's it. Hang- yeah. Hengist, Hanglist. That's it. That's Mr. Hengist. That was the late 
John Fiedler, who played Mr. Hingis slash Jack the Ripper slash Regek in Wolf in the Fold in the original series. And as Charles pointed out, super famous for the voice of Piglet in many incarnations of the Winnie the Pooh cartoon. Oh, yeah. And just a great, great character actor. And last one we got here is, again, I don't have a, I don't have um, an impersonation for this one, but the actor John Shuck okay. was born on February 4th, 1940, played Klingon ambassador in both The Voyage Home and The Undiscovered Country, also had a memorable role in the uh, Enterprise series of Fliction and Divergence, where he mm. played the Klingon doctor who was responsible ultimately for the release of the virus that turned the Klingons from wharf-like Klingons into humanoid Klingons mm. for a couple of generations. He was, he was really good uh, as the Klingon ambassador. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the last one, February 5th, 1974, Rod Rottenberry. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Son of Gene Roddenberry, who's gotten <laughs> really involved in the series. Well, awesome. Happy birthday to, Gene, uh, to Rod Roddenberry. Yeah, and that's this this week in track. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break to promote our fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll get to our discussion topic. So stay right there. So how do we describe this show? Like, what's really going to grab people's attention and make them tune in? Nerdgasm for your eargasm? What? The space must flow to be in the know. Um... Don't be a willow. Grab your pillow. But that one doesn't even make sense. All right, stop. Snag a seat and listen. The nerds are back with the brand new edition. No! Uh, Okay, then. The Blurred Nerds Podcast. Rants, raves, reviews, recaps, and other bits of random fandom. Well, see, that's perfect. You should have just led with that one. Resistance is futile. Listen to the Blurred Nerds podcast right meow. Fine, make it so. All right, so this week we had a big reveal of information that happened on uh, Monday. The Star Trek bosses hit the Television Critics Association press tour. I'm sorry, on Tuesday, and unveiled a lot of details about upcoming shows. So we've got a little roundup of um, some of the news that came out. And if you consider this kind of stuff spoilery, because we are talking some details that they revealed about upcoming shows, then you may want to skip ahead a couple of minutes. But um, so at the Television Critics Association, TCA, I was reading a tweet thread by a journalist called Alex Zalburn, and he was kind of doing a play-by-play of the whole thing. And there was a lot of information about all their like uh, raft of shows, all of Paramount Plus's shows, including the new uh, Halo adaptation, which is coming up and they're really excited about it, And they're thinking it's going to be like, you know, the next Star Trek, it's going to bring in a big fandom and blah, blah, blah. Um, but one important thing that he mentioned is that um, January 2022 was the best month for the streaming service ever. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, he, they said one third of the current subscribers were coming in for original programs. Now, we all know that original programs includes all of the modern Star Trek shows. Right. So, you know, that's has always been the big influx of audience for uh, Paramount Plus. 
So no surprise there that, you know, original. And there are a couple of other shows that are doing well there. But, you know, it's all it's all of us that are keeping <laughs> Paramount Plus afloat. Question, what was their thought about why January of this year was all of a sudden was the absolute greatest? Was it maybe the addition of Prodigy that's gotten people involved? Or? No, no, no. Just no. Just like number of subscribers. Mm. Yeah, it's it's their biggest their biggest, you know, month so far. Hmm. I wonder what pulled them in. A lot of people I know talk about, uh, I've, I've actually seen a surprising number of people who truly love Prodigy and have yeah. joined because of Prodigy. That I'm surprised yeah. at how incredible people are loving it. A lot of people talk about they're watching it with their kids. Yeah, yeah. of course. So uh, one of the big reveals that we got was a, a new, basically a movie poster for Strange New Worlds. And mm-hmm. this thing is amazing. So pretty. Yeah, absolutely. Work of art. It's got Pike saddled up on, we assume, Tango in the Mojave Desert with the futuristic town of Mojave seen sort of on the horizon and the Enterprise looming huge up in the skyline. And you see a moon and you see a distant planet. And the tagline is, the frontier is waiting. Mm -hmm. And he has a cowboy hat on. And he has a cowboy hat on because he's yeah. a cowboy. And the planet was pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely taking license with reality. But right. It's symbolism. I believe it's on our Facebook group. Somebody said that, because I mentioned also that it was Tango, and somebody said it could be, gosh, did they say Lulu? Mary Lou was Mary the, Lou, Mary, yeah, Mary the Lou. other horse. Yeah, the other okay. horse was mentioned in the script, but right. was not named uh, on screen. Okay. Right. I, I'm thinking, as my mom would say, tell me something. I thought I missed that. Okay. Mm. Cool. I thought it was the whole audience missed that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as on screen goes, he has Tango. That's Mm -hmm. as much as been said. So this could be Mary Lou, but surely it's not. Of course, he probably (laughs) has 15 horses, so it could be anybody. Right. I love the vibe of this poster. I love me too. Going back to the Western frontier feel, which Star Trek is where it came from. And yeah, with totally. being Pike, and we, you know, one of the few things we know about Pike is that he's big into horses and from Mojave. Um, now, I thought Mojave looked a little too desert-like from the way it was described in the cage of mm-hmm. that there's, you know, it's a, a city with 50 miles of parkland around it in, in the cage. Yeah. Um, and here it was more of a desert, but maybe he's more than 50 miles. Well, away. I don't know. Exactly. That's what it seems to me. Yeah. Like there's plenty of room, maybe on the other side of the city, right? For all the parks, but and he's on the desert side of <laughs> that's it. That's true. <laughs> but like you say, it's not meant to be taken literally anyway. It's uh, you know, it's yeah. uh, he's on his horse in the desert, looking up, you know, at at adventure, you know, at the frontier mm-hmm. space. So yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, it's exciting, and the ship looks amazing. Yes. Yeah. I'm the only one who thinks. I'm not sold that. on the ship yet. I have to get used. I to know. it. It's going to take me some. Same time. here. Same here. I'm, I'm also. I mean, it looks I like somebody like it. sat on it. So it <laughs> you, you people are just original purists. Uh, I know. So it took I, me I, a very long time to distinguish from the original series Enterprise and the Next Generation mm-hmm. Enterprise because in my mind what? they looked exactly the well, same. Whereas okay. I was annoyed in 1996 in Trials and Tribulations because I thought that the Enterprise saucer looked too thick. On the original <laughs> series, <laughs> there was like an extra seam on the saucer. I can tell them apart now, just yeah. to be clear. Oh, good. <laughs> Charles, I can't say nothing because I looked at the picture and I loved it. And I was thinking, well, the struts for the nacelles are at too much of an angle. They should be a little bit more vertical than yeah. that. Not that I truly ultimately care. I thought no. it was a great picture as well. Uh, it, I, it put me in mind of something really strange when you see how he's on the horse and stuff. Is I recall that William Riker was raised in Alaska. 
And I would love to see some pictures of him out mm. in the Alaskan wilderness, kind of like the way Pike is. Yeah. Well, when Riker gets his on show, maybe we'll get that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we could. Who knows? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're in the era of anything is possible. Yeah. I really, first. I really like the style of it because it was very yes. mid-century modern style. Yes. Which I yeah. love to death. It was like a science fiction Louis L'Amour picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it really yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it did look like a, a Louis L'Amour book cover yeah. Yeah. in space. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So, uh, one, of the, one of the big detail reveals that we got was Akiva Goldsman confirmed something that we already know. It's, never, it's not been said until now, but we all knew that La'an, I'm assuming, is La'an. Noonien Singh, played by Christina Chong, is related to Khan. Who's shocked? No, no, no. But no, I, I mean, come on. I'm hoping that her name is Noonien Singh and she's an augment and mm-hmm. they don't they don't dwell on the Khan thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I would love it if just the fact that she's descended from Khan is just like part of her biography, but it's not yeah. something that they, uh, you know, they like they had um, augments on Enterprise and any of them could have had the last name Noonien Singh. But you mm-hmm. don't have to say, because my great great grandfather Khan, hope you never meet him. You know, like that's the kind of prequel writing I don't like. So right, yeah, true. Don't be too fanish, you know. But for me, I'm I am 100 forcing myself to withhold early judgment because mm-hmm. to what you're saying, I'm kind of used to the fact that Khan and his people were the only mention of the so-called arguments that they had known of because the way it was presented in Space Seed. Khan and all those the known arguments disappeared. Then they came again later. Again, I know you're having to, you're, I'm, you're, you're like retro. I'm having to go back retro, right? But they didn't say anything like, well, there were some descendants of arguments left on Earth, but these were the originals. And Enterprise also made it look as if there were no arguments at all on Earth because they had been, um, it was against the law to have genetically engineered people. And there was no mention that there were any descendants of Khan or any of the arguments in Enterprise. So I'm going well, to have to yeah, work but my there mind was never this. any mention that Spock had siblings either. That's true. Well, good so, point. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good point. And we're still waiting for another one of his siblings to pop out. So, oh, so one will just wait. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is going to change all kinds of what I understand of the augment timeline, but I'm going to just be straight open minded yeah. and see how they do it. I'm going to try. Yeah. I'm going to try. Charles, I come up with the ochre budgets. Shit, don't look right. Now they got augments. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So another thing that's interesting is apparently there is some story element that was pitched by the cast and it's going to be happening on screen. So whatever it is that they're being very tight lipped about, um, it's some element that got worked into either this season or they're going to be working it into season two. But the idea came from the cast. Mm. That is cool. And and I'm really interested to know where that what the idea is and where it originated. Yeah. And is it a drama or a comedic episode or it could be all kinds of things there. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to speculate about that. I just have flashbacks to when the next gen cast was throwing in ideas. Well, (laughs) but okay. But they didn't use them because they weren't good. This one must be good because (laughs) I don't know. Suddenly all all the officers on the Enterprise D were into theater and performing arts. (laughs) Uh, so you have a problem with the dancing doctor? And I don't mind it. It's just uh, all of a sudden they're all directing plays and acting in plays. And it's like, yes, I, I wonder where these ideas are coming from. <laughs> oh, come on. They're coming yeah. from, we've been in space for so long. 
We've got to do something. Maybe. Other than play poker. <laughs> they have a holodeck. <laughs> True. Anyway. So the Section 31 series is still in development. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another show that's in the works beyond that, which Alex Kurtzman vows to remain tight-lipped about for now. Mm. Interesting. So we know the Michelle Yeoh show is is definite. No idea when, but it's it, it will come. I feel better about that now than I did three years ago. Okay. You know, when they announced it, when Discovery was the only show on, and I wasn't wild about the fact that the only Star Trek show to be on in 12 years was graphic and dark and violent and, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, true. Now that we're getting a variety. Um, yeah. It's kind of like with Doctor Who when they, they had Doctor Who that was for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you had an adult show in Torchwood and you had a show for kids and Sarah mm-hmm. Jane. And right. it didn't bother me that there was an adult show because it wasn't the only Doctor Who property. And it's kind of like that. Right. Well, that makes sense. Now that we're getting a variety, I feel a little better about them trying some different things. Right. Yeah. And this jumps around a little bit because I'm following the the tweets that um, what's his name? Alex Zalburn did. So I guess yeah. things are mentioned in different order. But the next thing that came up was and this is a really, really cool thing. There was a moment. This is Anson Mount talking about there was a moment during filming that he kind of like stopped everybody. And he said to the cast and crew how incredible it was to be filming Trek right at that moment. Because at that moment, Shatner was in orbit. Wow. 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 Isn't that awesome? That is. I love it. It seems like from what I've heard, Anson Mount is one of those people, not only is he playing a leader, but I think as a personal, his real life personality, it seems like he's bringing a lot of energy to it, to the set and the Mm -hmm. people like bouncing off of him. It's one of the things that I've read about with the original series is Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Pike was a very low key actor. And Leonard Nimoy said that actually one of the reasons that he emoted a little bit more of Spock was not just because they hadn't defined Spock's character, but because Jeffrey Hunter was so low energy, he found himself being high energy. Mm. And when William Shatner first appeared on the set, everybody said he bounded onto the set and he was full of this super positive energy that energized the set. And Leonard Nimoy actually started making Spock more low key to play off of him. And for what you're saying, Alan, I'm hearing that a lot about Anson Mount. I've heard that several times. Like, they love his energy on the set. He really likes being there. And isn't that cool that Inhumans failed and here we have him as Captain Pike? Yes. Oh, oh, (laughs) let's don't get started on Inhumans, because I I can go on about that for a while. Uh, I had such high hopes for that. And it was originally... It was originally slated in with the movies and then they dumped it off onto ABC or whoever it was for a TV show. And it flopped because it was awful. Yeah. So I feel robbed of my great Inhumans movie that could have happened. Well, I think Captain Pike is a nice consolation prize. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yes. At least he gets dialogue in this. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> okay. So the event, um, the TCA was a streaming thing. They streamed it to, you know, not to like the general public, but to affiliates and whatever. Um, but in the room where the people were appearing, they showed clips of the first introduction of Uhura from the show. Oh. And Cecilia Rose Gooding uh, says that she's excited to see the parts of the character that ask questions and learns as she goes. So, um, that was something that they, you know, was a good enough element that they made it a reveal to the people who were in person. So that's kind of exciting. Awesome. Yeah, I really want to see more development of Uhura. 
and, yeah. and good yeah. solid character development. That's a, I mean, she's an iconic character, but mm-hmm. she has never really gotten her due as far as on on screen, as far as being written for as a character. So I, I yeah. hope they they do Uhura justice. Yeah, right. we know in a lot of ways we know less about her background than almost any of the original characters. I mean, we knew Sulu was from what San Francisco. We knew about Chekhov at least being from Moscow. We know about Kirk, Spock, McCoy, maybe not. Uh, but I, yeah, like you say, I pretty much know nothing about who even now is that she was, she's um, Swahili. And I know nothing about her background. I don't even know what her family life was like. I don't know how many siblings she has. Nothing, literally nothing about her. No. Her first name was first set on screen in 2009. Right. Mm. Right. Wow. Yeah. That, that's huh. good character development. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to a, a little bit more of a dive into who she is. Mm-hmm. Same. And Celia seems like she's really excited to be playing this character. Oh yeah. You know, like I she, bet. like she, yeah. I mean, she references Nichelle Nichols and what an icon she was. And I, I think it's just really cool that the, the sort of the excitement that we're getting from the cast mm-hmm. being involved in this project. I oh, think yeah. it's just great. Absolutely. Yeah, I think what a great time given it. Unfortunate Nichelle Nichols is dealing yeah. with so many problems in real life. It's yeah. great to have this character and almost a tributary. Real quick question, Charles, on Facebook, you posted something like you were still not happy that the was not an engineer. I was no. hoping he'd bring this up. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a, anytime they go back to a character like that, you're going to be going up against people's expectations. And something right. that's bothered me since 2009. And even before that was that there's ever since the original series, they've been in books and then in 2009. And then mm-hmm. now who was a linguist. She's an expert in languages. Right. On TV, she was never a linguist. In the film, That's she was true. never a linguist. She was an, a, an engineer. She was the radio operator. She was very talented. And she, Spock even said when she was repairing the communications console, like, there's no one I trust more to do it. That was mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. what she did. She was like a she's, World War II radio operator, but in space. Right. Yes. She's a technician. Right. And, 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 you know, basically a machine operator. Right. But now it's, and, and, you know, it's, I think the linguist is a nice, you know, angle, but we had that with Hoshi. True. And in a way it takes something that was kind of special about Uhura away, but by adding that, it takes something that was special about Hoshi away. Yeah. Not take it away. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I knew this was going to happen because they did it in 2009 and doing it. And I know Nichelle Nichols, has said in, in books that she her backstory that she believes Uhura was a linguist. So mm, yeah, uh, it's just one of those things that I will never like, and I will not complain <laughs> about every week. Probably. <laughs> well, okay, and and to be fair, even though she was a technician, you know, she could still have been a linguist. True, yes, she, she could, could yeah. still have been had had grown up with an interest in languages and in you know learning uh other culture through language true so you know it's it's not a it's not totally incongruous i don't know it doesn't kill the show for me or anything like that it's just one right. of those things i'll grumble about to veronica after the episode <laughs> and to us yes. i'm sure <laughs> um let's see a couple of more points nicole clemens president of original scripted series at paramount plus told reporters quote Yes, we are still in development on Section 31, so there will be more news on that soon. And two, the question about critical mass on Star Trek. I think we have some fantastic offerings on our always-on slate. So they're considering their uh, Star Trek rollout to be always-on. And that's what we're close to now and leading up to. 
um, in reference to Star Trek shows lined up back to back on Paramount Plus rollout schedule. Clements added, quote, and I think you may see a few more very curated additions coming. What do we think that could mean? I don't know. That sounds like PR speak. I can never. (laughs) But but the following day, we did get a a more or less confirmation that the Starfleet Academy series that's been talked about for a while is in the works. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah, there was no I don't think it was an official announcement, but it's certainly no, close it was, to it. Yeah. Coming from like deadline, like reputable outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And not, not it wasn't <laughs> just like a fan rumor. Right. Um, exactly. But they've, they've got to. I mean, if what they've right. said all along is that Picard is going to go three seasons. Now, they could always change their mind, but the mm-hmm. expectation is that we get three seasons of Picard and they're filming those now. And they're having to make these shows in advance. So, I mean, you're going to and then Discovery is going into season five. So that they've got to be planning right. the next couple shows already. And and it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that they that they emphasized, um, according to the tweeter that I'm reading, they they emphasize that the current five series slate will likely not expand further until at least one of those shows runs its course. So I'm sure that uh, once these shows are, you know, we know that Picard has sort of a it's, it's a finite thing. Mm-hmm. So they're they're readying something to take that slot. Yeah, but that's only one slot. Yeah. Well, if you got Section 31 and Section 31. Yeah. Yep. And Starfleet Academy. I mean, that's an Academy. And those are two pretty different shows. They've been making right. a point of making their shows all different from one another. Absolutely. Which is smart. Yes. It's the way to do it. I, I like the phrase that was used about critical mass, because what yep. they're saying is, you know, before, you know, in the, in the before times, <laughs> there was the whole thing about Star Trek fatigue that everybody yeah. talked about. And I yeah. think it's interesting because, the, you, know, you know, they must be always talking about how many series can we float at the same time before people burn out. But what's interesting this time is they're so incredibly different that there's kind of something for everyone. Because mm-hmm. I see online people who despise Picard. I mean, despise it. And people who hate Discovery, but they like Lower Decks. Then I see yeah, people sure. who hate Lower Decks because it's too comedic. But I say, I've, I've seen a surprising number of people who love Prodigy because they can watch it with their kids. So it seems like that's the balance they're looking for this time, which is you got something for everyone, which is interesting, but that may work and out like the Star Trek fatigue thing. I mean, for mm. one, I think that's overstated. I think the real yeah. problem of fatigue was that you had the same production teams right. making Star Trek in the it same way insane. for basically right. 20 years. You right. Know? And you have different production teams, different writers, different producers and all these shows. Now you get some crossover, but for the most yeah. part, you've got different teams working on these shows. So it's not as if Mike McMahon making Lower Decks and the Hageman <laughs> right. brothers making Prodigy are going to burn out because there's two shows. They're not both doing two shows. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. And, you know, and in their defense, Berman and Braga wanted to make Enterprise a much different show than the network made them make it because yeah. they mm-hmm. were tired of doing the exact same kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. UPN was like, but we need Trek. Yeah. Yes. We have to have yeah. this thing and that thing and the other thing because that's what Trek is. Absolutely. I am. I, I've said this two or three times tonight. I am open minded, but extremely cautious about Section 31. And it's not because I'm trying to hold on to something. But again, I'm used to the Section 31 that was introduced. That was pretty much like with Sloan and DS9. There was like one guy in a room. And, right. and at one point, they didn't even know a Section 39 was a thing. Even in Enterprise, it was this incredibly secret organization that you just didn't know existed. 
I'm still struggling with the whole thing of Section 39 spaceships and whole organizations. 31. 31. 31. 31. You said 39 twice. I, I got I got something on my screen that says 39. I got a timer. <laughs> so I'm looking at it and it just bled in. But uh, yeah, so I'm, it's again, I'm having my skepticism, but with this yeah. things now, I'm just, I'll stay open-minded and see if that works. I'm just not used to Section 31 being so <laughs> kind of open and out there, yeah. but they, we'll see. But they've gone into hiding and they've like gone underground yeah. from the end of right. Discovery. So, yeah. I mean, we're getting to the point where all those later shows are depicting it. That's that's where we're going with it. Right. And the, oh, the way it was described in DS9, it had always like no one was ever sure there ever really was a 31. It was a, right. exactly. a rumor, exactly. which the discovery portrayal doesn't go along with that. But what they may no, do now right. is say that, well, it was disbanded and now yeah. it's gone and then they're still operating in secret. And then we'll maybe get more of a 31 like what we might be expecting. The way I've been looking at it, I mean, Veronica and I have been watching Peacemaker, which is hilarious. And I would love if <laughs> Section 31 was like the Peacemaker of Star Trek. Comedic? Oh, my gosh. That would be just, so amazing. You know, you got is Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, it's it's very comedic. Oh, my gosh. It's, just just look up the opening sequence. Yes. It's, yeah, it's sure. insane. And then, it's funny. and then imagine Alan Tudyk doing the lead dancing parts. <laughs> no, okay. you can't you can't turn section 31 comedic. What would what would Al, what Sloan well would Sloan be Sloan well, be around would he, would well, he be, no. I think you could have a, a shady funny show. I think yes. that would be fine. And it's it's not just comedic, but it it does have that sort of James Gunn sense of humor. Okay. And, I haven't, I haven't um, watched it so I would love it if it was Michelle Yeoh and then get Rain Wilson to play Harry Mudd and he can join <laughs> them maybe a horn, <laughs> you know <laughs> like you can have, <laughs> oh have fun God. with it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And the Gorn has to be a rubber suit. That's yes. All. They need to do it in 80 style. Call me Alex Kurtzman. Yes. I've got it. There you go. Oh, if you're going to do that, then you're going to have to open every episode with a Mission Impossible like thing where a Peter Graves like character is looking at pictures of people and choosing the right <laughs> people for every mission. So yeah, I think there's that a would mission be where you need a Gorn. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of give us a call, we, we got to talk about the fact that this announcement that Starfleet Academy series is happening happened one day after we released our episode yep. where five of us told our whole like plan for a Starfleet Academy series. Yeah. So clearly right. one of us is one of us is getting tapped as a show. <laughs> I don't know which one of our shows they, they bought. I'm sure I'm sure having a character called Gah throws it over the top and right. Randy Beth is going to get the true. <laughs> true. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, probably what happened was that they've been on the fence about this. And someone heard our episode so. and was like, you know what? Well, let's, let's do it. Right. They were like, look at all the possibilities that this show can have. Yeah. <laughs> we got our fingers on the pulse. I'll just say that. Yes. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you. All right. So uh, is there anything else that I, that happened that I didn't No, I think you pretty well covered make it. note of. I think that's about it. Is that all? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I know. And so TCA continued on the next day, and I was thinking maybe there'd be more Star Trek reveals the, the second day. Nothing. Mm. So what we got on Tuesday is all there is. But that's good stuff, though. That's, that's, yeah, it's a big week for news. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm excited about all the shows. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm less excited about Section 31 than anything else. But yeah, yeah I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna win me over in no time. Me too. They, but the, like I said, life they've they've surpassed my expectations enough times now that I'm right <laughs> willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, completely and completely. I go along with whatever they're gonna do. Yeah. Same here. All right. Well, let's take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then when we get back, we'll be talking about the mid-season finale of Star Trek Prodigy. 
Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Do we have too much comic book stuff? Apparently not, because everything that gets released is successful, more successful than the last thing. So perhaps these people are just griping because they haven't had the opportunity to ride the Marvel train. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and right here on the ESO Network. I don't know if anyone will be able to understand what you did. I don't know what the heck. Veronica, you know what you did that? I wanted to follow that with dive, dive. Right. To translate, that was a spoiler alert. Apparently, Veronica's uh, translator is not working. (laughs) But we're talking about the mid season finale of Star Trek Prodigy, and it was. Pretty epic. Wow. It was. That I did mean, not feel like 30 minutes. Yeah, no. was a lot happened in that episode. There was a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> like Chuck said, there was a lot that happened in the last like 30 seconds of that episode. Yeah, you could, we could spend an episode Whoa, talking yeah. about that last 30 seconds, but I'm guessing yeah. time. Yeah. But I mean, I guess everybody enjoyed it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah yes. loved it. I loved it. it. Was, like, we it got the answers. Sort yeah. Of, almost. A yeah. And like they should do, we got answers to the questions we had, and now we have and new then they questions. Have more questions. Right, You're right, exactly. It's how you keep a show going, but <laughs> exactly. but you don't want to go four years to find out what the Vanna Cut are all about. You know, it's I I I expected we'd get some answers this time, and I'm glad that we did. Mm-hmm. I I was like I was a little surprised at how they left the Diviner. Yeah, like yeah. he seems to be like he seems to have come. I, I know we'll see him again, but it seems like he's come to sort of a, a closing point on his story arc. Yeah. Of course, right. they do that to make you think that he's gone and then he'll come back. Surprise, I'm evil. Yeah. And, you know, but I'm surprised that that, that it's not going to like that. They didn't end on some big story yeah. reveal that's going to carry over into the next 10 episodes rather than just like leaving him where he is. That was right. that. So that's so it seems like that's why it seems like it was a season finale. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and last week I, I sort of compared him to Gold Ducat. But if that's the case, then he's like season six Gold Ducat now because he's like crazy <laughs> yeah, and rambling, you know? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, I thought that Dreadnought went down kind of easy. Me too. After all yeah. this buildup of 10 episodes. Right. Come on. But I mean, you know, he can be recreated. Yeah. But I mean, but I thought that before they did away with the diviner. So I'm like, who's going to recreate him now? Right. Hey, so maybe he's gone too. Maybe, maybe. Or- I, yeah, I don't know. That that did seem too quick. Yeah. Did that little eight with the little alien um, with the feline little alien? Was that the first time she popped her claws? Because she almost looked at him like she wasn't used to seeing. Used to she just kind of looked at him oh. almost like, huh? I didn't yeah. pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. It was. It was. Yeah. Because she's been very timid up till that point. Yes. Yeah. I absolutely loved the the whole sequence of everybody getting a translator and all these people could now talk to each other. Yes. That was really wonderful. And yeah, it was funny it. when those two guys were like, hey, and they were trying to like introduce themselves. And I was like, right. dude, we got to go, right? And they <laughs> right. started talking. I've been, working, like, I've been working with you all this time. And we never talked before. No, they were more to introduce themselves. It, they it had was a more than that. going on there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was, was a nice funny. little moment. That was I sweet. Agree. Yeah. And I, I really like the, again, the device of 
the, the the way they're using the translators and how that's how they kept these people under control is they couldn't speak exactly then you bring in a universal exactly. translator in and they can all communicate to each other and i think that's a, a way that universal translators surprisingly i haven't seen used i thought that's a, that's a really true. good take on it a really good twist on the universal translator or good use of it uh, agree what if they, yeah. i didn't write down what if they keep calling it our short range a short wave tra translator that's i guess that's a, just yeah, a, short a, short, a, a quick way of saying that you know it has a range you know exactly it's not just one person that's yeah right whoever's around you right yeah, yeah. i thought that was pretty cool too uh, absolutely I yeah well, a good way to divide and conquer it yeah. reminds me of the whole biblical story of the tower of babel well that's of exactly course. it yeah that's exactly yeah. right yeah so I, I except that. yeah um i also for the first yeah third of the episode loved dark janeway mm. Dude, she was so awesome. Holy <laughs> smoke, she was bad. Did you suspect that she was kind of fronting? Because I there was a look she gave. Yeah, uh, I saw that look. <laughs> And I wrote down, ah, is she is she either fighting it or is this all yeah. ruse? Yeah, yeah she right. gave us a little bit of a look. Which right. is, I mean, I'm glad that that's the way it went because they had said, yeah. you know, several episodes ago that she was, you know, Gwen was updating her and mm -hmm. her security, you know, after I guess I guess it was after Dreadnought, Dreadnought uh, transmitted himself into the vehicle replicator. Maybe right. that's when it yeah. was. Right. But, um, I like that she played along until she had the opportunity not to. And I like the the security upgrades she had because she's uh, she's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And going into this episode, I was I kept thinking, I wonder if we're ever going to get real Janeway, mm. like in the huh. flesh, Janeway. Oh, and there she was into yeah. the episode. I was like, yes. buddy, with a with I a great ship it. and a yeah. What, what was that ship? It was, you know what? It was the Dauntless. It was called the oh. Dauntless. And the bridge is almost, as far as I can tell, identical to the Dauntless that they found on Voyager and Hope and Fear. Yeah. And it, it, it looks to me, the ship looks to me like a cross between the Dauntless and um, the old Rick Sternback prototype for Voyager where they had the, the underslung the cells. It's not exactly like it, but it has yeah. that sort of vibe to it. But so yeah. it wasn't exactly the Dauntless because that wouldn't make sense. But, um, well, it's a retrofitted. Dauntless. Yeah, it's clearly it's a it's a version of the Dauntless they've built now, which I yeah. think is a, it's a cool tie-in. And hoping which for oh, yeah. the, I don't want to. What was the Dauntless, Charles? The, the, the Dauntless was the one they they came across a ship that uh -huh. uh, Starfleet had built a prototype ship with a slipstream drive and sent it to send them back. And so they oh, board okay. the ship, and then because it's Star Trek, things turn out to be not quite what you yeah. expect. Um, mm -hmm. but it's the episode Hope and Fear. So go back and watch the the okay. Voyager episode. Hope I remember that one now. Yeah, I sometimes get the ships mixed up with the one with the Doctor and Andy Dick, where the ship right. could do the multi vector attack. Yeah, that was a different one. That yeah, different okay. One. Now I remember when you guys talking about. Yeah, it's interesting though that you know the, the the episode ends with you know Janeway is like, all right, Chakotay, we're coming. Mm -hmm. Yes, she thinks that he's on. Yeah, Protostar. She's out there looking for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. That's, that's interesting. And that's it, super interesting. It looks like the crew that we had speculated would be Chicote's crew is actually Janeway's crew. Yeah. You see the, the Tellarite doctor standing behind her, and it looks like right. that's those three that we had talked about. And um, Andorian, we got a trill. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there they are. There um, they are. And it's 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 amazing to me just how and you know, we've got very small glimpses of Chakotay through a hologram. We've got now right. a small glimpse of Janeway, but how far it moves their stories along, knowing that you know Chakotay was commanding this experimental ship and then he's lost and Admiral yeah. Janeway's out there looking for him. And I just I think of all the new shows, I think Prodigy's doing the best job of doing something new, but weaving right. in the old with it, you know, yeah. because agree like as much as I love seeing Riker on lower decks 
he's 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 brought back as a joke you know he's making jazz references and (laughs) it's not quite the Riker that you remember whereas this was just Janeway exactly yeah totally so they mentioned time travel so but in this case the diviner was the only one who time traveled right so we can assume that yeah so Janeway and Tapote are are contemporaneous then right they're in the same timeline period yeah so it looks like I don't know we don't have all the answers yet the protostar had to have gone back in time as well but not the same time diviner so the diviner came back from 50 50 years years in the future or whatever right very Nero like he's got a very Nero thing going on with his storyline mm-hmm. yeah from Star Trek 2009 <laughs> where he came back to get revenge against the Federation instead of like Gwen said just call him and t- <laughs> tell him not right. to go to your planet <laughs> <laughs> right I, yeah, I thought the same thing I thought that was really weird yeah he could just because Starfleet well they don't they don't well sorry to say they don't always force themselves on planets but every now and then they did at least in the original series they didn't do it much for Gart yeah, but it looks like the the, the protostar is uh, sort of a Trojan horse ship now. Where if they get within range, it's going to start yes. taking over Starfleet ships and turning them against each other. And that yeah. is that is interesting. Yeah, it's a that's what buddy, the code I can't is. wait to see how that plays out. Oh yeah, that's what that code in thing is. Yeah, the Bounacot code they saw in that episode. The, right, they, it's a very well written show. They, I mean, it yeah. really is. A lot of times you watch these shows and you feel like there was no plan. They just made it up and you, mm-hmm. they just got to the finish line, you know, and came up with it as they went. But this right. clearly was written because there's hints to yeah. things that spread throughout the throughout the show. Even small things like he got her attention in this in this episode, or the diviner got Gwen's attention by using her name which was a plot mm-hmm. point a few episodes ago that she didn't believe that he would use her name. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I, I, I think it's a, it's a really well-written show and they're doing just a great yeah. job of it. I totally agree. I have my doubts about one ship taking down the entire Starfleet, even if it is going to send like a virus or whatever. Well, it I think is, the but... idea is that the virus spreads. So as the ships <laughs> come in contact with each other, the, this virus will infect their programming right. and very much shades of control. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Okay. Yeah, let, putting my nitpicking hat on, I'm, I'm like, I wrote down, it'd be really hard to take over the entire quadrant by um, ship by ship virus spreading, even if it spreads through subspace. At some point in time, somebody, there's going to be like a Scotty or O'Brien that's going to figure out oh, how yeah. to stop it. But right. it's interesting to see um, how that's going to play out. And I do love the fact that even though this may be disastrous for a while, I love the fact that the kids have found the, what does she call them now? The crew yeah, is actually crew. wanting to go to Starfleet. I love yeah. the fact they're not going the other way, which is yeah. so cool for me because we didn't know. Remember, we didn't know if they were going to go the other way or if they're right. going to try to go towards Starfleet. So well, I love at that. At some point, they'll find out about this code because Gwen's forgotten yeah. about it, um, which mm. we'll talk about. I mean, it's it's still there. I don't it's think still she, there she reacted. It, but... Right, right. She might not be able to recall it actively, sure. but it's there and right. it's going to. There was a reason she was out. like, uh, that might not be a good idea, but I have no idea why. So yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Right. But it's exactly. It's, but she doesn't know the details right now. No, and no, at, no. At some point they'll find out and then it's they'll a... be heading the opposite way of Starfleet. Because <laughs> they're going to well, it... think we can't we have to protect Starfleet. We have to stay away from them. Can't and they then... just pull? Can't they purge the code or whatever the, vi- the virus at some well, point? Well, they don't know it's there yet. Yeah, uh, maybe once they figure out, can't they purge it? We don't Presumably. know. Blow Depends on ship. how encrypted it is. We haven't got there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking us? We're not there. I'm thinking. Too, I'm thinking too much as an engineer, and I, I and, yeah. and, 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 and I'm thinking too much as somebody who works in IT. And there's a million ways around this, but sure. I am. I am intrigued, and and I still like. I'm still like, what the heck has happened to Chicote? That is still. Yeah, I know. That, I yeah, know. That, I'm yeah. really interested to see what that's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I love that. I love that they. We were talking about how the show has grown. I love the fact that Rock is um, is an engineer. Yeah, 
Uh, I love that now. Yeah, she just started talking, and and Jenkin was like, uh. You know what I <laughs> love it. about it is that it comes from that one episode where she was stuck in the, the slow time yes. frame, right? But, yes. I mean, how often does something like that happen on Star Trek and there's no repercussions for it whatsoever? Yes. And I'm thinking of, yeah. like, Chief O'Brien being in that mental prison for a lifetime. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it never comes yes. up again. Or Picard. I mean, it actually at least came yeah. up again that Picard remembered his experiences in the inner light. But yeah. he wasn't changed as a character because of that. Whereas Correct. this happened to Rock Talk and now she she's changed. You know, she's and got all it. this knowledge and experience and it's changing the course of her character. Yes. Knowledge, experience and confidence. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has she has a new like way of seeing herself now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that's that's really, really cool. Yeah. And that I think that's a great way to write these ongoing storylines is you have this one episodic adventure, yeah. but they still have the repercussions from it. You know, you, th- right. you still have the things that she learned. Right. It's like when Worf had a whole episode where he broke his back and would never walk again. And then nothing <laughs> ever like he didn't even have to go through <laughs> rehab or anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we all have those. Uh, the one, uh, Charles, what you were mentioning as well, the one that always stood out for me is uh, what is the nth degree? The yep. one where Barkley gets all the knowledge of the universe. And then at the end, he pretty much the only thing he retains is that he learns how to play 3D chess. Right. And yeah, it was one of those like, yeah, you could you should keep some of that. Yeah. So I love the fact that she is, like you said, not just an engineer, but very confident now because she knows the theory. Because Jankum seems like you know, he's he's kind of the he's done it hands on. Mm-hmm. And she's done it hands on, but she knows the theory because she talked about how much she studied math and all this advanced mm-hmm. theoretical stuff. So that, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Right. I really enjoyed the uh, the scenes with um, Dahl and Gwen. I loved the affection and the loyalty yeah. between them, but particularly from him to her, mm. because mm-hmm. that's been a sticking point all season. And he, they've finally gotten to that point where he fully accepts her as part of his family. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. I'm, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, we and we haven't mentioned yet. I have to get to zero because oh we my God, yes. freaking saw yes. a Medusin for the first time. Yes. <laughs> after waiting our entire lives. So <laughs> what, what do we I, think? I, well, I know I felt a little crazier after it. <laughs> right. That was a dumb thing to say. I don't know. Light. I said it. I, yeah. I thought it was cool. I thought it was. I've, you felt like it was doing something to the diviner. Like you felt like, yeah, this yeah. is like you believe this will drive him mad. And I like that she saw his reflection because it goes back to sort of the, the Medusa and seeing Medusa and the reflection. Exactly. The exactly. You know? I loved it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't that little element. I did not expect, Mm-mm. but I loved, um, I loved zero's whole motivation. It wasn't just protect my friends. It was mm-hmm. you used me as yes. a weapon. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. man. God, what a, what a good show. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say bad things because I love it so much. (laughs) Yeah. What did you think, Keith? I I agree. I thought that was, I thought that was interesting too, because zero seems to be a very, really a really kind being Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. and thoughtful being. And you're right. When zero said, you used me. There was this, this, well, look at what happened. This fury and rage came out of yeah. Zero. And I thought, wow, wow, yeah. that was, uh, that was impressive. And I loved the, f- I thought it was so cool how they did the whole thing with Doll's badge. Because mm-hmm. he had told mm-hmm. him, oh, look, look at me, look at me. And I thought, and I actually thought, oh, they're going to get away. Cause you know, you always, you never wonder, you wonder what's going to happen. And then when she looked at his uh, 
his comm badge. And I love the fact that he noticed it real quick. He actually looked down and yeah. saw it, tore it off. That was a really good dramatic scene. Oh, yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yes, and I, was. I love Zero's reaction when he found out that Gwen had been affected as well yeah. by, by yeah. what he was doing. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. And he was so remorseful. Yeah. God, it was so or good. Or they were so remorseful. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as good. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say it wasn't as good as the original series when Spock and them looked at the Medusa and then they did these real weird camera angles with their arms got all stretched out. <laughs> but it was good. Good point. <laughs> Maybe that's yet to come. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know how long it's going to take them to get to the Federation. We don't yeah. know how long, how sure. far away they are. Yeah. Um, right. So, you know, we could have the next 10 episodes of basically their journey, too. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's not going to take that long. But mm -hmm. the thing is, it's not like the next episode they're going to be, hey, Federation, what's up? If they're going to there's going to be a journey, there's going to be adventures along the way. There's going to be more learning and more growing. And so you know, it could be another five episodes, you know, before mm -hmm. they actually encounter Either someone, either the Federation or Janeway's ship or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think we may see Janeway's ship on their search along the way as well. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And they've cast some really good actors as her crew. And I don't think they would have make that yes. big announcement if they were in it for an episode. You know? Correct. Correct. Well, I mean, they, they could. Maybe they, they're big actors. They could only afford them for one episode. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> <laughs> I will say what you got, what y'all are saying about the diviners' motivations. I mean, I guess you'd have to go with it, but I was thinking the same thing because I thought, dude, you've been digging for that ship for years. You've been enslaving like everybody in known space, and like after ten years or whatever digging for that ship, you could have had ten years of discussion with Starfleet. I mean, yeah, it was he was really single-minded on revenge or yeah. not yeah. revenge, prevention, which I thought was odd, and I wondered that his people. Yeah, both. Did his, yeah. I wonder, did his people send him back with that mission or did they send him, well, did they send him back well, to destroy the Federation or did they send him back to just say, stop it? I wonder. Well, they, he and Gwen are the last two. So there wasn't any of them left to send him back. So mm -hmm. how did he get back? Yeah. Oh, so I was assuming there was a civilization left in the future, but they were just like, I don't know. Not according to what he's been saying this whole season. Oh, interesting. They are the yeah. end of the line, buddy. And that's what we were saying earlier in, oh, in one of our earlier reviews. Is that that's why this ship is so important to him, because this ship is tied somehow to the salvation of his people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's half mad with grief then, not just. Yeah. Just, okay. Okay. Because there was a, it reminds me of, y'all remember, and I forget the name of the show. There was that episode of Voyager where they discovered the planet where this makes no sense to me, but that was the story. It was the one where evidently in early Starfleet history, we would send probes all over the galaxy mm -hmm. saying, oh, hey, yeah. welcome, or greetings, yeah, here's how to make any better. Yeah. Friendship one, that's right, that's right. And remember, there was, and they would send out the formula for how to make antimatter, and they discovered mm -hmm. this planet that had destroyed itself with antimatter, and the guy started killing everybody. Um, <laughs> this is that, that kind of reminded me of, he was just, he was full of hatred for the Federation because he mm -hmm. assumed it was a way to conquer civilization. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, so it sounds like the Viner's like that. So mm -hmm. here, here is my theory. Mm -hmm. Ooh, <laughs> because he didn't go into detail about exactly what the Federation did. So exactly. obviously, he's on the psychogenocide side of whatever <laughs> um, traditional uh, they, they had, and then mm -hmm. Starfleet comes in, and half the planet's like, "Oh yeah, f you, people in power. We're in power now." 
and they're basically killing each other. And he's not sent back to save the planet. He's he's he goes back to stop the Federation so that the planet will continue on under whatever regime it mm-hmm. is under. Um, so the Good traditional point. way is upheld. That could be not, not, that makes not, sense. not I mean, just to yeah. have the people alive because right. honestly, I don't, I mean, I don't see them completely wiping each other out. And they're the last two. I feel like that was a hundred percent his story because he's, be. yeah, he's, well. he didn't, I mean, he didn't tell Gwen. Oh yeah. By the way, we're in a different timeline and there are other of us right now. Okay. Uh, also, at that's, the time, that's, he's not. They are not the only ones. That's a very good point. You make a good point. Uh, another thing that that reminds me of: um, they're on the bridge, and, um, and the diviner is like, "So, did you think that you you know that you were gonna trick me into blah blah blah?" And and you know, don't do what you're doing, Gwen, because what you're doing is 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 gonna hurt everything that I'm trying to accomplish, and. Had he told her anything about what he was wanting Thank to you. do this whole season, none yeah. of this would have happened. He I thought everything would have played out differently. And yep. he's like, she's been asking you this whole for 10 episodes what it is you're planning and why the ship is so important. And you haven't told her anything. I think uh, he, he hasn't have told pre- her anything because he knows if he tells her anything, she's going to be possibly. like, you're possibly insane. Possibly, but had he done it while she was still on his side and while she was still seeing him as her, you know, loving protector father, she would have gone along with whatever it was because she wouldn't have thought anything differently. Yeah, you think he would have indoctrinated her when he had the chance. Right, exactly. He exactly. has 17 years to convince her this is the course of action. Right. Exactly, right. because because if you think about it, right or wrong, when was accommodating the fact that he was enslaving children. And she always said he just told her, you know, you were criminals and this and that. He was she was comfortable with him enslaving all these people. So yeah, I think it was a minor step to say our planet was destroyed and we got to destroy this evil federation. Heck, he could have even just made up a lie. I mean, he didn't have to just tell her straight up that well, one side wanted to go with the federation and one side didn't. He could have just even made up a lie and said yeah. that the federation came in as conquerors together yeah. on the side. Right, exactly. But, but, I thought the same thing. He he let her, you know, get away, and then mm-hmm. she met the federation, and she found out what the federation is really about. And now nothing he says is going to convince her. Yeah, to sway her back to his side. So that was stupid, Diviner. Yep. <laughs> just saying. I agree. Just saying. When we go back in time, we're going to do things differently. <laughs> when we go back in time, Charles, just tell me why it is we're going back in time. I will. Okay, thank you. It's always interesting to me, and this is not just Star Trek, but it's a trope everywhere. When people are shown to lose their minds, they almost always do things like paint daisies on the wall and just draw pictures. In the uh, alternate future of Voyager, uh, well, and actually the, the series finale of Voyager, Spoilers that they haven't seen it. Remember, they showed in the future that Tuvok had that very slight, um, he had an issue where he was going to lose his logic. And mm-hmm. in the far future where they didn't, they couldn't cure him, he was in a room and he was just drawing all the time. He was just drawing pictures. I thought the end of the vinyl was just painting. And I don't know if that's true, but I thought it was kind of interesting. That's what mm-hmm. he was doing. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with what you said, Alan, probably somewhere next season or something. He'll be drawing and they may make fun of him and then he'll probably look up with his evil look on his face or, or something like that. <laughs> and then I, oh, he's coming back. And Well, and that's the thing. How is he going to get? I mean, surely he's going to be coming back at some point. He's got to, to tell us more mayhem. 
So yeah. how is he going to get away from where he is? Who knows? But I mean, yeah, it's, po- I, I it's possible too. I mean, we saw in this this season that you can replicate a dreadnought. So I mean, it's possible yes. as a backup plan where another dreadnought could just pop out of the vehicle replicator. Mm-hmm. That's very possible. Um, or, you know, like we said, Dreadnought went down pretty easy. Maybe that was a dupe, yeah. a decoy that he sent. They made a, a fake yeah. zero decoy in this yeah. episode or this season. Yeah. It's, it's two-parter. But, you know, who knows if that was even the real Dreadnought. Exactly. No, I was hoping one of you guys knew. Oh, well. No. <laughs> <laughs> so last question. Maybe I'm completely missing something. Why was Gwen created? What was she needed for? I think he was afraid that he wasn't going to make it until oh. until, you know what i mean like he needed a progeny to carry on which he was in that he, he was in a bad shape and he was in that tanks like life support uh, thing yeah yeah and janeway just took a breeding tube or some kind of fuel uh, yeah tube or whatever and he, he just like lost he just fell out yeah. and was, yeah. i want to know how they replaced that so fast <laughs> yeah it was almost like when the jim hadar when they pulled the white tube the kept, right. kept mm-hmm. cell white tube kept yeah cell like, white that's yep. it. Yeah. And all kind of blue stuff was coming out. I had forgotten about that. Okay. That explains why. But I thought it was interesting when Gwen was facing him, you know, this dreadnought looked like he was ready to kill Gwen in an instant. If it got out of hand, <laughs> already said that she was the diviner's greatest mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And then one more thing I wanted to mention um, that Janeway's crew has super cool uniforms. Like her, her uniform yes. looks like a cross between the, the future, like all good things uniform. And then it's, yep. that's the same uniform that, Admiral Janeway wore from the future and then the yep, TNG yeah. uniforms, but also they had the badge from all good things mm-hmm. of that, that future badge. Yeah. I thought it was. Super e- cool. Yeah. Everything about that sequence makes me excited. Yes. Absolutely. Like, super excited. <laughs> we spend so much time guessing a million different things that may happen. I never thought that the real Janeway would show up this quickly in the series. Yeah. I did not expect that. So I was genuinely shocked and delighted. I kind of figured they would meet her once they got back to mm-hmm. the Federation. Yeah. Some I didn't think that it would be this soon. Yeah. It makes sense though. If Chakotay's missing, does. Janeway's out there looking for him. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, of course it does, but I always assumed it was Chakotay looking for the ship. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And something I don't know something. Anyway, I don't know. I also didn't expect Janeway to show up this soon, so I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, I guess I should have because she's only in the cast. They could have her anytime they want. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, good show. I really enjoyed it. Really. So enjoyed it. next week we're back to Discovery. Yeah, buddy, I'm ready for it. Me too. I I kind of I kind of hated uh, a breaking off from Prodigy when we did. And but once we got into Discovery, then I hated breaking away from Discovery to jump back into Prodigy. <laughs> it's it's a little too jarring for me, but yeah. partly because I was so like getting into whatever they were unveiling on Discovery. Yeah, I have to go back now because I don't remember yeah. where we left off. I don't. I don't Same either. here. Yeah. Something to do yeah. with the DMA. I know that. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, yeah. And Saru maybe getting his groove on. We want to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's our that's our review for this week. Next week we jump back into Discovery. And normally this is the place where we would do a question of the week, but we've run through them all. So if you have a question of the week for us, just send it to us either by a emailing us at earthstationtrek at gmail.com or finding us on Facebook or Twitter and sending us a message or posting in a thingy. So we'd love to hear from you and we can't wait to see what your question is and read them on the air and answer in a silly and funny and 
insightful way. <laughs> not in that order. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly that order. It depends on the question. Uh, Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? Um, my other podcast is a music podcast called Modern Musicology. And I've also got a little publishing company called CosmicPress.com. And how about you, Keith? Okay, you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook, primarily the ESO network groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. Yep. And if you want to see us in person, you can. We're going to be, uh, we actually have two shows coming up that we're going to be performing at. So we'll be at the, at the Valentine Puck and Fuppet show. That's Saturday, February 12th at 10 p.m. at the Village Theater. It's a, an adult puppet show. There's drinks. There's fun. It's Valentine's weekend. So if you don't there's have a date. candy throwing. There will be, I'm sure there will be candy throwing and games. It's, it's yes. a fun night. So if you don't have a date that weekend, come get drunk and watch some puppets. And if you do have a date, bring your date and come get drunk and watch some puppets. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> and vote for us. Yep. And vote for us. It is. Yeah. There's a cash prize and it's, that's, it's a competitive puppet slam. So last time we won second place. Um, so come wow. vote for us so we can get first place. that will be a lot of fun. We've, we've, we've won a few times. We've not won a few times. And then, um, I mean, sometimes we've got like third place and that, but first place was the guest performer from out of town and second place was someone who was, you know, in the Henson company. So I, I count those, well, as, okay. I, count, I count those as first place, but, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but also we're going to be performing in our burlesque show for the first time. This is the sinful Ooh. Sundays variety show, March 6th at 8 PM. Uh, oh, it's at the red light cafe. Oh, it's red light. Yeah. The sinful Sundays variety show at the red light cafe, March the 6th at 8 PM. Nice. Yep. And it's uh, got burlesque, drag, puppets, and more. So we're the puppets. So <laughs> <laughs> just to make that clear, just to make that clear, we're sticking with what we know, you know, letting the experts handle the other aspects. But uh, it's going to it's going to be a good time. There's going to be drag queens, drag kings, burlesque performers. We're going to be bringing the puppets. Uh, it's the new sister show of the Puck and Puppet Show. And the host of the Puck and Puppet Show is going to be emceeing. It's going to be a lot of fun. So February 12th and March 6th, you've got two opportunities to come see me and Veronica in person. Awesome. And if you do find us and tell us that you came to see us because we would love to meet you. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. And do you have a closing for us this week, Veronica? No, I, we watched the episode <laughs> twice and the entirety of the thing. I was like, where's there a good one liner? Where is there a good one liner? Um, I didn't think of any good one liners from the whole episode, from the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Is there anything from all of Star Trek? Make it so. Hey, I'll take um, it. There you go. We'll take it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.